We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Before we talk sports, I am being required to talk about this new partner. You are required. You get to. You have the <laughs> honor of. I just think one of you should be reading this. Uh, we have no idea what you're talking about. Please enlighten us. As the audience now knows, Manscaped is a new partner for DNVR. And they are here to remind you... <laughs> To keep your balls clean, everyone, especially during this time of quarantine. Uh, as many of you all know, ball is life, and our friends at Manscaped want to assist you when it's time for you to hit your game winner. Um, Manscaped is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming, and they have the right tools for the job. Does anyone, I, everyone here, except myself, of course, got, our box. got a Manscaped box? We just posted an unboxing. Um, how's everyone liking it? Five stars, two thumbs up. Great product. Incredible. Best lawnmower I've ever used. Oh, God. <laughs> Anyways. Is there a breeze in here? <laughs> I'm going to kick you out. I can mute you. Wow. No, you do the box, but you get, it's like, a, there's like a travel bag. There's all these different lotions. There's obviously the lawnmower, which is the, uh, the coup of the, the Oh, box. yes. The perfect uh, package 3.0 kit comes with the new and improved lawnmower 3.0 and a ton of other liquid formulations to round out your manscaping routine. Have you and guys Let's call it what it is. It's ball deodorant. There's a little spritzer for just a quick little, you know, midday freshen up. You I, know, would, I would classify the scent as sandalwood. Sandalwood, okay. Uh, the ba- wood. My only experience with this box is the, the bag is really cool. It's like a, lo- a good little toiletry <laughs> bag for when you're traveling. That's all I have to say about it. Um, get 20% off and free shipping with the code DNVR20 at manscaped.com. You know, we may be in quarantine, but you're probably spending a lot more time with your significant others. So you want to stay fresh and stay smooth, stay clean. There we go. Nobody out. Three and two on Charlotte. Jokic gets it across the timeline. Gets a high pick and pop with Murray. Lindsay breaking through. Taken away by Nathan McKinnon. Two on two with Landis guy. Nikola Jokic. Save me by Grubauer with the left pad. Oh, goodness gracious me. Take a good look. You won't see it for long. Two-run home run. Trevor Story. Lock. Enzo. Touchdown. Number two for Sutton. 
Denver Sports Podcast presented by the one and only Breckenridge Brewery. Now, of course, we are all at our homes, but Rudo is very on brand and still has his Vanilla Porter Jr. going on there. I am drinking coffee out of a Breck glass, so I feel like it kind of counts. You could have sold that. Yeah, definitely could have sold that as beer. (laughs) With ice? Yeah, Iceman drinks his beer with ice. That was easy. I was right there in the front of the <laughs> You know, we do have Breck Brews in the fridge. I got the Resolution and uh, Strawberry Sky because the Breckenridge Brewery is still doing beers to go where you can order and then go pick it up. And then they're also, you can use the uh, Drizzly app for Breck Brews. Rudo, you used that last night before our DNVR watches. How was using that? Yeah, it was super easy. I just ordered my beer and it showed up 45 minutes later in time for the the abs watch along so worked out really well for me and i found out that the new 12 pack sampler for breckenridge has a raspberry beer which is delicious by oh, the yeah, way yeah i want to try okay. that one the raspberry stout is in the sampler okay <laughs> it's on so they have that there. 12 cans a uh, uh, 12 bottle sampler like rudo's yeah. talking about or their 15 cans sampler which is the cans which you get all of the classics in there avalanche all of that and that one's the best value and the best variety so you get to try all of them especially on these days where we're probably going to be drinking a good amount of breck bruce especially with the snow going on right now. You can start when Rudo and I normally do. The rest of you get to now come into the world of starting to drink at noon uh, because where are you going? Well, what do you got? What are you doing? You're waiting for us to do DNVR watches. So, and you want to be primed and ready to go by the time you have to watch that. The Breck brews are needed for Love is Blind. Um, But don't forget to call 303-803-1380 from 12 to 8 p.m. for pickup from the Breckenridge Brewery location in Littleton. They'll bring it to your car for you so you don't have to get out or anything like that. They're also, you can pick up food from the farmhouse um, or you can use Grubhub for that. And then the Drizzly app to have Breck Brews delivered to you. Now, we before we started this, we were a little delayed because we got some breaking news in a sense. Uh, Adam, I'll let you kind of take this over. Someone in the Nuggets organization has apparently tested positive for the coronavirus. We don't really know much information. You tweeted out a few things, Adam. Sure. We know it's not a player. So somebody in the organization... Um, they're the only person in the organization that has been tested. You know, state protocol calls for uh, people to only be tested if they're exhibiting symptoms. Even in some counties, it's only if you need hospitalization do you actually get a test. And that's because of a lack of available testing at this point in time. Um, but yeah, one person from the Nuggets organization has tested positive. How has this been, besides this news right now, Adam, how do you think this is affecting the NBA as it kind of, the NBA was the starter of all of this with a player being tested positive and then them uh, suspending so far? What's crazy is that I I feel like the NBA and them canceling the season is really the first domino that fell in sort of a, a very rapidly evolving situation across the country that wasn't just about sports. Of course, Major League Baseball followed hockey and just about every other major event over the next 48 hours. But basketball was the first one. It was the first domino because Rudy Gobert, player for the Utah Jazz, 
uh, tested positive, and then shortly after that, it was revealed that Donovan Mitchell also tested positive. So um, the league on hold, as are all leagues, the NBA and the NHL were both in the home stretch of their yeah. season. I think the Nuggets had 18 games left on their season. So you were talking about an entire a majority of a season being played and the playoffs right around the corner. And now the latest news from the, for, from the NBA is that if they are to resume, it probably won't be until June at the earliest. And, you know, who knows if they're going to finish out the season or most likely if they do return in June, do some sort of stunted season uh, to wrap up the regular season and then begin the playoffs in earnest. Like you mentioned, with the NHL being being in those same buildings, they were the next domino to fall um, because they're in such close quarters and lockers and all of that with NBA players. Ruto, how do you think this has been affecting the NHL? We do know that players have come out with their own proposals on how things should work. Yeah, um, the players specifically are extremely motivated in the NHL to get some form of the season back, including even regular season because of the way escrow works in the NHL, where if they don't play these games, and especially the playoffs, which are usually almost guaranteed sellouts for the teams that make it, they end up missing a lot of revenue, and the league takes that directly out of the players' paychecks to a certain extent. So they are very, very dedicated in trying to find an answer here. There have been proposals thrown around of pushing this league all the way in through the coming September and pushing next league, next year's season back a little bit just to get these games in. The, so. question, the interesting thing to me right now in terms of, you know, we talk about how fluid the situation is, but just this morning the MLS comes out and yeah. says they're setting May 10th as a goal date. Now you can set goal of any right. tomorrow and not meet it. But it's interesting to me that they're saying, hey, we're going to set May 10th as our goal date because I don't think they would just throw that out there as false hope unless they felt like there was an actual path to being able to play by that. Uh, Drew, you're in Arizona right now. You were covering spring training for the Rockies. That, of course, got put on hold. What was that like being there for this? Yeah, it was really bizarre as all of this unfolded and, you know, we were we were kind of away from it. And just in general, Arizona has had uh, fewer cases. Of course, it, back to what Adam was saying, that a lot of it has to do with how much we've tested or can test. But, you know, I, I, I think there's been this feel here really until the last couple of days just going around town. It, it sunk in here, I think, a lot later than it did and seeing all the people who were out at spring training not that dissimilar from some of the stuff I'm sure everyone's seen now on social media about people out at spring break. Um, th there's been large gatherings of people. And, uh, you know, I, I was even down here in the early days, meeting a lot of people, shaking a lot of hands. And, <laughs> you know, uh, that's one of the reasons why I, I uh, kind of went into isolation maybe a little bit earlier than a lot of other people did. Uh, because I was around a lot of folks during spring training. And then we did have, oddly enough, I was talking to you guys about this. It's something that's just added to the bizarre feel of everything that's going on. Is there have been massive rainstorms almost every day uh, since. That was actually why I started isolating on the 10th. The Rockies game got canceled. I went, well, this stuff's getting weird out there. It's raining cats and dogs. I'm going to stay inside. Uh, and then uh, that's been the case for a week and two days now, basically. Um, but like talking with Bud Black, uh, so like the little things they were trying to do, I took a picture on my phone at one point, they brought Bud Black out to talk to us. And then there were like these cameras and then they had put a piece of tape 
around that for all of us reporters to stand behind. Of course, all of us reporters had to still cluster together. So it was like they were doing these weird things. It was it was so clear nobody knew what to do, but everyone was trying to do something. And you know, Bud Black is trying to now give people like life advice, which he's actually very good at. Uh, but it, it, it's just a weird situation that that everybody is in, right? Or even like the guys stuck around for a while to just continue at Charlie Blackman and talked about, you know, he was just, they were all doing their workouts here and the fans were all gone, but everybody stayed here. And then a couple of days later, it was like, you know, we have to close down Salt River Fields yeah. completely. You can't work out here. And everybody just kind of had to go home. So teams can't even like work out together right now. Everybody's gone back to their separate courts. I do believe that a, a few of the guys have gone to Coors Field uh, which is going to be open f- for now. But again, in two days, who knows? Yeah. Well, that's the thing about the NBA is they actually just, they had originally said, okay, stay in town. You can go into your practice facilities, but you need to be, te- you know, make sure nobody has a fever coming in. You got to use a thermometer. And then only one-on-one workout. So one coach, one player per basket. They said to keep everybody like at separate baskets, no team practices. But today it was announced that the NBA as a league-wide policy, is not allowing any players or staff into the facilities. So the NBA keeps, as, as you're mentioning, Drew, escalating even more that now players can't even go into workout. In fact, it doesn't just have to do with training facilities, team training facilities. They actually said all training facilities, meaning even any public gyms or any, anything else, they're telling players they cannot go, the, go into those facilities. So right now, unless you have a gym in your house, which many players do, but not all, not most even, unless you have a gym in your house, I'm not sure NBA players can work out at all. Yeah, what are you supposed to do if you're, you know, Michael Porter Jr. and you want to get jumpers up? I'm, that's a great question. It's, I, I, again, I think for a majority of NBA players right now, there isn't a facility to actually go and shoot baskets. I think, I mean, it's even harder for NHL and MLB to be practicing batting or being on the ice. But I did see uh, Ryan McMahon went live on Instagram uh, one of these days playing some basketball with David Dahl. And I, I, all the comments were Rockies fans being like, oh, God, please no, David Dahl. Don't roll your ankle. That's the last thing we need right now. Um, but, of course, there's so much seriousness in this that we definitely want to take it serious. But there is some funny stuff. And, well, uh, Drew, you brought up your phone. I would love for you to clarify how you were shamed in getting a new phone by Bud Black, was it? No, it was it was Dick Monfort of all people. <laughs> so, okay, so see what had happened was in in spring training, uh, the, they don't take the manager to another room for a, a post game press conference. We do it right there on the field, like standing by home plate as soon as the game ends. So, so the standard practices, the bottom of the ninth rolls around. A group of reporters walk down. We sit in the first or second row, right by the gate. They're going to open, and we wait for the game to end, and then we walk out onto the field. Uh, and oftentimes, those are the seats that Dick Monfort and whoever he's with on any given day occupy. Um, I happen to sit right in front of him without realizing it. And of course, I'm on my phone because I'm tweeting things about the end of the baseball game and I'm getting ready to go interview Bud Black. And I just hear this voice from o- over my shoulder that goes, Man, that thing has seen better days. <laughs> and, it, and at first, I'm just like, ah, someone got me. So I was, it's just shattered uh, to hell. And I, I just turn around and be like, yeah, buddy, good job. You got, you're right, you're right. And then I'm like, oh, 
oh hey <laughs> uh and, and then he had some, some jokes for me about whether or not i was throwing it I was, you know i didn't think we were playing that bad you know stuff like that you know? <laughs> Um, you should have said, uh, if product and experience that bad, don't. <laughs> I wish I'd have thought of something quite that clever. So back to players just trying to keep entertained right now, uh, people who can't work out. I saw Gabe Landeskog tweeted, like, obviously no hockey, this is terrible, but hey, at least I get to spend more time with my daughter. Videos come out of Miko Rantanen uh, working out, carrying his dog as weight. <laughs> Yep. Um, and and balancing on one leg. Was Miko an upper body or a lower body? With Miko? Yeah. Uh, it was, well, earlier in the season there was a lower, but the, the current one was upper. And well, he, he would have been back like two <laughs> games after they suspended play, unfortunately. So he was almost ready to go. I was going to say, he's carrying the dog, like doing um, pull up curl ups and then also balancing on one leg. The dog did not seem very comfortable. <laughs> but that leads me to a question that I have for uh, Rudo and Adam. Um, the Nuggets were in a funk. The Avs were dealing with a horde of injuries. If we're uh, looking for silver linings here, is there a, a world you can live in where you could say this might have this might have been a favor to both of these teams? Um, yeah, I, I think it is for the Avs to a certain extent. Uh, obviously, they would have rather been playing ho- hockey, and a couple of players they we're about to get back anyway, but guys like Matt Calvert uh, looked like Burakovsky was still a little bit of a ways off as well. So they were waiting on a couple of guys to get healthy that weren't. And obviously the ones close are already ready to go, but the ones that need a little bit more time, potentially even someone like Colin Wilson, assuming the season or playoffs or something returns in some capacity, the abs will be 100% healthy. And that's not nothing. It's a big deal for them, especially if they get into the playoffs like that. I think it's a little bit more complicated for the Nuggets. You know, they were in a funk, and I would say they were probably on their worst eight-game stretch of the season, you know, right before this. But, you know, the season is a lot of ebbs and flows. It's a process. And had the season ended five weeks ago, you'd say, oh, man, the Nuggets are red hot and the best team in basketball. You'd stop it when you did, and you say, oh, the season was going down the drain or whatever. But I just think it kind of ebbs and flows. Now you talk about a league that if it were to return in June, who knows what players are, are going to come in and shape first and foremost. If we're talking about three months where you can't go to a gym, which players are jogging on the treadmill at home and doing push-ups the most? I mean, that's such a, a wild variable. Um, and then you talk about to coming together. Remember, June would be about this. If it, the league returned in June, it'd be about the same distance from the finals to the start of a regular season, meaning it would basically be a regular off-season length of time. So what are the chances players could take that much time off, assemble for a few days, and then get on the same page? To me, it's impossible to say, oh, this helps the Nuggets more than any other team. The only teams I think this has a true effect on would be the Brooklyn Nets, because Kevin Durant was hurt and might actually be healthy if the league resumed in in June. And adding a player like Kevin Durant to your roster, of course, makes you better. And then the same goes for maybe the Golden State Warriors. One of the things the league had talked about was because if you did have to return in June and do a stunted season, you might make the eighth seed available to everyone. Because why else would the Phoenix Suns even participate in a league where they have 10 games left, five games left, but they have no chance of making the playoffs. So you allow everybody a shot at that eighth seed. Well, now you're talking about the Golden State Warriors who are eliminated from the playoffs by regular rules, but now if they have a chance to get into that eight seed with Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and the same core of players that won that went to 
five straight NBA Finals. Well, now you're talking about a huge wild card. Maybe the Warriors get into the playoffs as an eight seed and throw the entire bracket upside down. But for Denver's purposes, I, I don't know if this is a good or a bad for them. What about um, people saying that just jumping straight into the playoffs, um, not having, not continuing the season, if the season would have ended the day it did, uh, it was postponed, what would the playoff picture look like for both the Avs and the Nuggets? For, for, for the Nuggets here, one of the things, again, and I'm sure it's the same for the Avs, but no tune-up games, uh, three months off, no tune-ups, and you go straight into do-or-die basketball would be absolutely absurd. To me, For if anything, it would make things even, because right now you look at it, the Nuggets, probably not real title contenders. I mean, they're fringe title contenders at best. But if you throw in that big of a variable, well, who knows what the chemistry is going to be like? Well, now it's like March Madness. Anybody has a chance at it, so... From that perspective, I guess, if you went right into the playoffs right away, it would be anybody's opportunity to steal a championship. So the NHL has talked about doing some mini camps when they come back just to get the players up to at least close-ish to game ready. And only playoffs is definitely a potential. It's something that's been discussed for the NHL. Remains to be seen if that's actually what happens. There are some issues with that because of a staggered schedule as happens in pro sports. There are teams in the eighth seed that are ahead by two points to a team that has games in hand on them. So it would be very, very tough to go straight into the playoffs. Many teams would feel like they got gypped out of potentially making it that way. Going and back to MLB, their opening day and spring training has been pushed back. So I don't even know. Drew, when do you think, has there been conversation of when the baseball would come back? Nothing, certainly nothing concrete like the MLS seems to have it figured out, which hopefully they know something that, that the rest of us don't. But I I get the sense that, you know, in a, there are certain ways in which baseball is better equipped to handle this, just the fact that there are 162 games. So, you know, if you play 140 or 120, people are still going to feel like they got a decent amount of baseball and we can probably figure out who some of the best teams are. I think this element of it that we've been talking about will be the most difficult though, the training camp, spring training. Like you can't just have starting pitchers go out there and throw 95, 100 pitches with no spring training. It's yeah. just it's just not possible. Good guy, guys will get hurt. They will get hurt. I've wondered about doing things where like you give, give everybody like a week of, of spring training type, like games that don't count. And then you start getting to games that count. Teams will still be playing a little bit like spring training, though. Like we might see regular season games where, hey, the starter's only available for four or five innings, or he's only going to throw 60 or 70 pitches because he's not totally stretched out yet. Guys, I mean, we had played almost half of spring training, and starters weren't going seven or eight innings. They weren't doing that. You know, position players, they can get in the cages. They'll, they'll probably be able to do their thing. Um, I was really looking forward to a baseball season that wasn't super offense heavy and ridiculous. Uh, but I feel like one way or another, that's at least what we're going to get when, whenever it does come back. And then you've got the problem of the unbalanced schedules because of, there are so many games in baseball and interleague is played throughout wherever they're going to have to rewrite these schedules and you have to play series against teams. Um, you, you can't just play one game at a time. Baseball doesn't operate that way. And so, and you can't have a strength of schedule. You, you can't have it so that 
some teams have, well, sorry, you guys got the Astros and the Red Sox, but you guys have to play the Orioles and the Marlins. You know, that. so there, there's going to be a lot of schedule trickery that's going to need to go on. Weeks, though, that's going to be inevitable. If if the comes back, some fairness is almost out of the equation at this point. You want to make it as fair as possible. But even like we're talking about, Ali, you, you suggested going right into the playoffs. Well, I have a feeling that the team that is in the playoffs eight seed right now is almost certainly not going to, would have been the team that yeah. would have been there 18 games from now. The Pelicans were surging. Um, you know, the Kings were surging. Both those teams would be left out. So there is fairness is thrown out. It's more about just what can be accomplished and everybody would have to sort of accept it. All right. Is there any talk about potentially expanding the bullpen and, and the roster a little bit to manage that, the, the pitching side of things? I, I think they would have to, and they've already been moving in that direction a little bit. This is going to be the first year with 26-man rosters, uh, for example. Uh, so I would think they would, just for health reasons, have to do that stuff. But the other time constraint that baseball is going to have that's unique uh, to it is you can't play baseball in November and December and January. You can't do it. You can't just push the season back. Whatever season is played has got to be wrapped up by the end of October. That's just like... <laughs> the game does not operate in those other conditions in all the cities that, that we have. So um, it's, it's going to be really interesting to see if there's a sub-100 game baseball season, it's going to be absolutely insane. And that actually might benefit a team like the, the Rockies. I think that would be awesome, personally. Um, it, it would up the value of every game by like 50%. Yeah. I mean, it'd be insane. It would basically create a one long postseason baseball season that everyone is participating in. Uh, it'd be insane. It'd be it, those intense runs when everybody's in it at the end, um, which is kind of just how baseball used to work all the time. There used to be a lot more parody. So it could be incredible to watch, but it could also be an absolute mess. <laughs> so what would be the ideal, let's start with you, Rudo, up at the top. What is the ideal scenario for the NHL and the Avs? I mean, the ideal scenario is you get to the end of this eight-week quarantine and everything is clear. You have their mini camp they return to, and they go right back to where they left off the regular season. There's only 12 games left in the season for the Avs. It's not that much. They can get through those. They could potentially, in perfect world, they could be done with their season and still award the Cup late June, maybe July. So it really doesn't affect next season that much. You'd have to mess with free agency in the draft a little bit, but you'd be fine moving it back a week or two. It wouldn't be a significant impact. If I'm being honest, I don't think that's very realistic, yeah. but that would be the dream. What about you, Adam, with the NBA? I just don't think there is one. I mean, again, it's just about what makes sense, what can be accomplished. And I think it's probably trying to restart the league in June. Um, probably no fans in the arenas, just a closed facility type type events. And then maybe opening up again that eight seed to everybody. I think this would be the most fun and maybe help make up for lost money. Open up that eight seed, try to get it, uh, you know, five games for you to kind of compete to get in it and then start the playoffs. And even the playoffs maybe are a bridge. Maybe the first round and second round are only five-game series. I think that if they do return, I could see that being uh, likely as well. Yeah, that the would NHL, be a lot of talk like that too if the season does get pushed back into June and July. Adam, do you think it is going to be – it is harder right now for the NBA because of the amount of players that have tested positive? 
No, because I think that that those numbers with the NBA are probably likely and consistent with the other leagues. I would be surprised if tested. the NBA was the only one that sort of had these sorts of outbreaks. But um, so I don't necessarily think think that's the case. But again, maybe more so than say baseball or hockey, playing basketball, everybody touches the ball. Everybody sweats on each other and bumps into each other. There's no barrier of contact there the way there is in the NHL and certainly in baseball. So. Um, I think with the NBA, you're maybe more at risk if one person was to re-get it after opening up the league. You, the chances of it spreading within the league are, are higher. Drew, what about you? I'll end with you. What is the ideal situation for the MLB? Yeah, I mean, if we're looking at June as kind of our soft return of sports, um, you can get 100, 110, maybe even 120 games uh, in that time and start the postseason at its normal early October time and and not feel especially bad about it. I, I, I think the, that that's probably likely. Uh, then for the Rockies in particular, I, I actually think that the ideal for, scenario for them is that all of this weirdness completely replaces all. This was going to be the weirdest start of the Rockies season ever because of all the Nolan Arenado stuff and even a few other, the way last season went, all of this. And it's like, People are just going to be so happy that baseball is back and that the it's Rockies true. are back. And, and that it's to, summer and they can leave their houses. And right. <laughs> or or even, if, even if they have to play some games in, in empty stadiums or whatever, I, I even think, and as Ali mentioned earlier, we understand the seriousness of this and we have to talk about the sports elements of it, but Nolan Arenado is probably not getting traded now. You know, these are the kinds of, it's just not really a, a top, priority they're just gonna go out there and play baseball and the first day uh, i was i was looking forward to but for the first time in my life dreading opening day before all this started because that course field clubhouse is going to be madhouse i'm going to be a lot of people coming in trying to stir the pot and, and start some nonsense and it's a low level priority but look it's it's i'm i'm glad that that's not going to happen terrible reason why it's not going to happen uh, but you know, the this big thing that felt big at the time anyway that was hanging over the Rockies is going to be properly put into perspective. How about that? That's, that's a good way to put it. Um, before we move on with Ryan, who has been very quiet because we haven't talked any football or Broncos yet um, because their situation is a bit different, I've got to tell you all about Denver Rubber Company. It is snowing today here in Colorado. It's snowing really hard. So if you're in the area, Denver Rubber Company is your one-stop shop for anything snow plows. Blades can be cut to any length and slotted for mounting to meet your exact specifications. DRC is a really reliable local partner, and they're, they're really supportive of us and awesome. And so many people have asked how you guys can support us during this time and that would be uh, using our sponsors and helping us out with that. So be sure to call Denver Rubber Company today for any snowplow needs, gasket, custom gaskets, hoses, etc. at 1-800-259-0010 or visit them at drcfirst.com slash dnvr and tell them who sent you. Ryan, if you want to talk about how this coronavirus has affected the NFL, that would be great. Yeah, uh, you know, last week there was a lot of discussions other over whether or not the NFL should move forward with this and whether or not, um, you know, it's insensitive to continue and give people these massive contracts 
in a time where economically people are in really tough spots. And we had a conversation about that on our podcast and Mace kind of took that side of, Hey, that might be kind of bad optics. But to me in the end, people need, especially the sports community needed something legit to talk about, needed something to latch onto. And the other side of this was that the NFL had an opportunity to really take the stage. And so personally, I'm really glad. And I think everyone at this point, now that they know how barren this desert is, <laughs> I think everyone's pretty glad that, that the NFL has gone along with this. So um, it's weird um, because guys can't go in for visits. They can't get the physicals at um, team facilities. They can't do a lot of things. Guys who are injured right now or are coming off of injuries are really in a tight spot because teams can't get an up-close look at them and make their own call. But by and large, it's been pretty much business as usual, which I think is really beneficial. And uh, something else with the NFL is that there's reports of all of these signings, but they can't officially sign until um, some of those things are done, like their physical. So teams have come out like the Broncos uh, saying, like, we can't officially say this, but that's why we're saying, like, media reports are going on of this. Um, yeah, the and they kind of changed that today and oh. say, and kind of lifting some of the uh, formalities. Things are changing every second. <laughs> exactly. Um, but the Broncos acquired a, had a huge pickup yesterday, acquiring a five-time Pro Bowl defensive lineman, Jarrell Casey, for a seventh-round pick, which just really seems like a steal. What do you think of that signing or that pickup, Ryan? Uh, an absolute steal on the part of John Elway. They were in on a couple of these younger defensive linemen, uh, namely DJ Reader, who they offered a very large contract to, but the Cincinnati Bengals came back to him and were, and were willing to offer him about $13.5 million a year, which is $1.5 a year more than the Broncos were willing to go to. And John Elway kind of drew a line in the sand and said, hey, we're just not going to do it. Um, and then he was able to flip a seventh-round pick, which rarely do you get much out of a seventh-round pick, into a five-time Pro Bowler who, has, who had gone to the Pro Bowl five times in a row between 2015 and 2019. Um, he's older, which is the kind of the downside between him and DJ reader. But right now he is, I would say a significantly better player. So for the Broncos to kind of go to plan B here and still get a really good player without giving up much and actually end up paying a little bit less than they were going to pay to DJ reader. I thought it was uh, honestly a, a pretty masterful move on the part of John Allen. Yeah. He's 30 years old, but he's only missed five games in a nine year career. That's crazy. So very yeah, dependable. You, you start adding up the guys that they got here. Um, Jarrell Casey, Graham Glasgow, uh, you know, resigning Justin Simmons. When you compare it with last year, when they brought in Juwan James and Bryce Callahan as their two main signings, and those guys essentially both missed the entire season, they, you can tell that there's been a little bit of a correction this year in going after guys who are available. And, and John Elway, you know, has his faults. But one thing that, I uh, um, applaud him for is he learns from his mistakes. Um, you know, he, he took too many flyers on guys in the draft for a few years and missed on a lot of them. And now he's kind of changed his strategy to, okay, we're going to go for guys who are seniors and captains uh, and, you know, have good record of producing in college. And then this now, you know, he, he missed last year and, and ended up with two duds. And it's one of the reasons why the Broncos had a poor season 
And this year it looks like he said, okay, let's still go after big name players and good players, but guys that have shown a record of being available. Um, something that was a bit shocking for Broncos country, maybe not shocking isn't the right word, but the Broncos agreed to trading uh, Andy Janovich, which uh, he, when he was on the field, especially with Philip Lindsay, he really helped Philip Lindsay perform to the best of his abilities. Uh, they traded him to the Cleveland Browns for a 2021 seventh round pick. Do you agree with that move? Were you surprised at all by it? It's a tough thing um, because obviously Jano's a, uh, a fan favorite and really one of the better fullbacks in the league. But the problem is there's not very many fullbacks in the league anymore for a reason. And one of those reasons is a lot of places uh, don't use them in their offense. And Pat Shermer is one of those guys. You know, the Broncos' new offensive coordinator doesn't utilize a fullback. So Jano would have been on the team for strictly special teams reasons. And he was getting paid enough money for where the Broncos said, you know what, it's not worth it from a special teams perspective. So, uh, you know, again, seventh round pick isn't much, and it's it's not even a seventh round pick this year. It's a seventh round pick next year. Yeah. So they didn't get much out of it, but it's not a huge loss in the grand scheme of things because they weren't going to use it. So how exactly have they decided for the NFL the way the draft is going to work this year? It's obviously not going to be held in Vegas. On Is it all going to be online? Yeah, it's not going to be in person. They're not going to have, uh, you know, the fun, you know, going up on the podium and getting a jersey and all that stuff, which will be weird. Um, but, again, the NFL is kind of being taking advantage of the fact that they're in the offseason here and they, they can go about – what they do without people being together. So uh, again, they're going to have full on center stage when they take for the draft at the end of April. Um, it'll all be done kind of, um, it'll still be done live, but you just won't have quite as much interaction. Um, and so it'll, it'll be done remotely the way it is now, you know, the Broncos are at Broncos headquarters during the draft and they just call in what their pick is going to be. So it's not like the NHL where um, they're used to all being on the floor and now they're going to have to do it differently. The, the, the only thing that's going to be different is just that the players aren't going to be there. You're not going to be able to do instant interviews with guys right after they've gotten picked. Chris Harris Jr. signed with the Chargers for less money than what the oh. Broncos originally offered him. That was shocking news for many. He had a chance to – he had a few other teams that he could have gone to, but the Chargers. Do you think he chose the Chargers in a sense for some revenge, getting to play the Broncos twice I, a year? I, First, I want to just say it's, I'm, I'm glad that he still will get to play uh, in front of Broncos fans uh, there in, in Los Every week, yeah. Every week, yeah. It's going to be great. <laughs> you know, the term revenge has been thrown around, and I just has. can't possibly understand what revenge Chris Harris would want to, uh, you know, get on the Broncos. We're talking about the one team that wanted to take a chance on him in, in, as an undrafted free agent. We're talking about a team who gave him the opportunities in training camp to become an NFL player, a team that kept him on the roster when he was a fringe guy, a team that made him a starter in his second year. And, and all the Broncos have ever done is give to him, including last year when the Broncos just handed him $3 million as just a gift. Yeah. So, I don't know what Chris uh, could be mad about here. John Elway offered him above, as we've learned, market value right before the trade deadline. He said, hey, we'll, we'll give you three years, $36 million. Only the first year will be guaranteed, um, which is what Chris really took issue with the most there. But that's that's essentially what he's getting 
in Los Angeles. He's getting two years, 17 million was right around uh, 12, 13 of that guaranteed. So I get, I understand why people might think that. I just don't understand how there could possibly be any any ill will from Chris Harris Jr.'s side of this. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense, but I mean, he really seemed like he wanted to get out of Denver with all of his uh, social media posts in the last few weeks. But based on these moves that the Broncos made in free agency, what do you think their next target for the draft is going to be? It has to be wide receiver. Uh, that's the one place that they haven't addressed yet. Now, there's still a couple guys that they could reach out to and bring in to kind of plug one of the holes John Elway kind of likes to not be trapped into a corner when it comes to the draft. So maybe they get a a tier three type of wide receiver just so it doesn't look like they have to get a wide receiver, but they have to get a wide receiver. One thing that this offense needs desperately is explosiveness and namely team speed. They need team speed. Philip Lindsay is really the only guy on that offense that you would point to and say he's fast. Um, No offense, obviously fast for his position, but they need a guy who can make the defense stay on their heels a little bit. And uh, there is a plethora of options in the draft in terms of guys that can stretch the field for them. So I, every move they make points towards that, but they still need a left tackle. And while Garrett Bowles is a, uh, I guess, a decent plan C, if you don't get anyone in free agency and you don't give, get anyone in the draft, it doesn't, you don't feel good about it going into week one of the 2020 season. So I think that uh, those are the two main things, but I'm leaning towards wide receiver as the one that is really the top need for them. Because there's no real sports on right now, we are doing a fun DNVR, hashtag DNVR watches on Twitter and um, for everyone to just join in on. And it's a place where we're going to watch film, shows, old games, tweet with that hashtag, and kind of join together as a community during this really tough time. On Tuesdays and Thursdays, we are watching Trashy TV, and we are watching Love is Blind. Yeah. We're also watching the greatest baseball documentary and maybe the greatest I was gonna get that's to ever the- been produced on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Not to give... Not to take top billing away from I was going to get to the sports aspect of it, Drew. But first, let's just get Love is Blind out of the Uh. way. Um, Some people, as Adam and Ryan cheered, are very excited about this show. Other people, like Drew and Bruto, are (laughs) booing it. Um, nobody let's go <laughs> a, a tv show has to either be above a certain threshold or below a certain threshold for it to be watchable and this one is definitely below a certain threshold I was, I was so confused after that first episode i don't i everyone says oh just wait the rest of the season is crazy and i'm just like what <laughs> Um, I can so, only name like four of the contestants, and I'm, I know I saw at least like 12 of them. So oh, I know. Right, right, Ryan and I, so with these DNVR watches, we'll be doing podcasts for them. So, of course, Love is Blind is our first uh, television show. Ryan and I did a podcast on uh, the first episode on Tuesday, so you guys can go check that out. Up on the docket today, since we're doing Tuesdays and Thursdays at 8 p.m., after today's watching... Andre, Adam, and Eric are going to do episode two. Um, But after that, we do have the sports aspect of this. Like Drew mentioned, we are watching uh, Baseball, a film by Ken... 
Burns. Burns. There we go. I was close. I was Ken. Ken. Um, and you guys did a podcast after that last uh, on Tuesday. Wow, the days don't even exist anymore. Um, on Tuesday, about the first innings today is going to be inning two at five thirty or five. Five Mountain Time. Five Mountain Time, so you guys can join in. That is free on PBS, um, and Love is Blind is on Netflix. Then Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, like last night, on Wednesday we had a chance to watch the Avs Stanley Cup Finals in 2001, Game 1, which was amazing. We had so many people tune in for that and just relive in the nostalgia of 2001 and that was at six o'clock and at eight o'clock we did the same with the nuggets 2009 round one game one let's yeah, I guess jump. 2009 you at least had uh was it hd it was definitely no. 16 by 9. the youtube link that we've used was not hd it okay. was not hd <laughs> I, oh certainly not i, I mean, can the barely see Cup the players four by three with vcr tracking all over it so <laughs> I this loved is it. how we lived our lives, Allie. This is what it was yeah. like. I was, was, I was bored. I was around during this time. You 2001, barely. I was six years old. 2009, I was... I was nine in 2001. Same. See? That's only like three Just, years. It's not as bad. But I remember... I, I barely remember it, which was awesome. Like, that goal of Joe Sackick just kind of walking through the zone and just... No. Uh, God, yeah, I art. I tweeted that. I've watched highlights of Joe Sackick, but to watch him in the game, and I mean, spoilers for anyone who doesn't know, Avs blow out New Jersey 5-0. Um, to watch him be so dominant in that game was really, really cool to see. And oh, yeah. That, that defenseman is Scott Stevens, by the way, one of the best defenders of that era, and he just made him look like a total noob. It was great. <laughs> Speaking of defenders, though, didn't that move, especially the little shoulder fake he did, didn't that remind you a little bit of, of Kale when he yeah. drives towards the net? Yeah, someone posted a link to uh, Kale's goal against Minnesota, I think it was, and it was like, oh, there's that shimmy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it takes a little bit of adjustment. Uh, even for all the hockey people, you kind of remember, oh, right, there wasn't hybrid icing. Oh, yeah, you can't make a two-line pass. The game was a little bit different back then, but I still love it at least. So. There was a lot of fights. That that was not even a lot of fights for that era. You I'm, have no. We'll play uh, Detroit Avs game six from '96, and uh, you'll see what a lot of fights is. But it's a lot of fights for a Stanley Cup. Like not not for back then, but right now they don't even fight in the playoffs anymore. Yeah, yeah, it's just a different game these days. I mean, NHL teams employed players specifically. Their job was to fight, and that was it. Not to play hockey, just to punch people. They don't really do that anymore. So. Yeah, it was really cool to watch and have the Avs community. I was wearing my Avs jersey and all, getting into it. And then after getting to watch the Nuggets, Adam, what do you think looking back to that game? It was incredible. It was, just, it was a lot of fun. I am not a very nostalgic person by nature. I am like a forward-thinking person. I don't go backwards too often, like mentally in any capacity. Going back into this was so much fun. This team, it's funny to watch them because in so many ways they're – kind of like an opposite of this current Nuggets team in that this current Nuggets team is kind of boring from a personality standpoint. There's a lot of good guys and just like not loud guys. Just a little vanilla. Good, a little vanilla. And then you go back then and you just, it's just chock full of characters, including George Carl, but obviously J.R. Smith, Birdman, Carmelo. Uh, you just, Kenny Kmart. Yeah, there was just so many personalities 
there and, it, and watching it, it was it was really uh, it was really a trip. It was really weird Twitter. to see uh, Mello back out there. Yeah, it wasn't the best. That game one is probably the worst game of the entire playoff run that he had. So it's that one, got to get that one out of the way. But um, but yeah, it was it was it was just interesting seeing uh, kind of being taken back. And it's weird because it's only eleven years, which for me, I'm thirty six. It doesn't feel like it was that long ago. But you watch it and you're just like, wow. The game has really changed in so many different ways. What were you going to say, Rudo, before I interrupt? Oh, I was just going to say, watching Twitter and everyone remembering why they liked J.R. Smith once upon a time was a trip as well. <laughs> and he why... was hilarious in game one, in the one that we watched last night. Yeah, what, he must have started like 0 for 5 and then went like 8 for 8 after that. None of them good shots. It was great. What was uh? <laughs> fun to see was the amount of love for Birdman. I was on the East Coast, so obviously I, like, knew Birdman, but Ryan posted a picture of him trying to imitate Birdman's mohawk <laughs> and, and just seeing all the signs and people going crazy for him. Incredible. I, th- I think I should bring it back, honestly. <laughs> you know what's funny is, just I'll bet you... That year that you were a Birdman, I'll bet you there was probably three dozen Birdmans at your school or wherever it was you were at, because Birdman was an extremely popular Denver Nugget of that era. My my grandma is a, a, a known tattoo hater, and somehow, some way, her favorite player was still Birdman. <laughs> in that series, it didn't look like he had a tattoo. In that series, or in that game one, it didn't look like he had as many tattoos as the picture that you responded to me when I said, what is your hair, Ryan? It, he got a lot more. Yeah, he didn't have, like, the neck wings yet. Yeah. You have to see him in his uh, G League photo when he first, because he started through the G League. He's actually the first player to be called up from the G League. No tattoos, wow. no crazy hair. He just looks like a goofy little guy. He has, like, one tattoo on his arm of someone dun- dunking a basketball. <laughs> that is crazy. But yeah, watching these old games, how empty the area around Pepsi Center was just 11 years ago. They did a pan out during one of the commercials and all you see is the can. There's no yeah. there's no other buildings around there. Yep. That's really weird, isn't it? If we get to go back and watch some Rockies games from the early yeah. 90s, if they do a pan out around Coors Field, it will blow your mind. <laughs> like, the city was so small. Like, where where was the city when, the, like, the can was right there and uh, Coors was still, like, getting developed? I feel like the city was just, like, 16th Street. If, oh, totally. Yeah. So if, yeah. if what's funny is if you go back 20 years, so we're 2020, go back to 2000, Denver as a city at large, the metro area was largely a suburb with a really small downtown area. I mean, wow. little pockets of downtown, but it was really a giant suburban city. And it's wild how it has now become, you know, the Highlands and, and, and City Park and, and all, all of the different places that now touch each other. So it feels like one connected giant city. Yeah. Here's a, I don't know if this works, but here's the Birdman picture. You find it? Oh, yeah. Wow. There it is. <laughs> oh, just a child. Oh just my god. He really well, there you go. Without any of the tattoos, I guess he's got one tattoo there. But this isn't as um as uh, technologically technologically <laughs> sound. But here's the full. Uh, oh wow! Full the spectrum. Yes. Nice. It was so much fun. Way more fun than I thought I was gonna. I thought I was gonna have fun, but that was like 
<laughs> the most fun night of quarantine? Easily. <laughs> Definitely. I wanted to say one thing on these, um, the two series that we've picked to watch here, because I've never seen this abs series, and I'm very, very excited, and I never really watched this team, and I've never experienced playoff hockey before, so it's kind of weird to do it this way. Uh, but I'm super excited that I literally have no idea what's going to happen other than, I mean, I know the final, final result. Yeah. But I don't know in how many games. I don't know the, the scores. I don't know when goals are coming or who's going to get them. So I'm super stoked to experience this for the first time. And then at the other end of the spectrum, uh, I probably know the 2009 Western Conference playoffs <laughs> more than any. I've studied and written about this, and it's my actual living nightmare. I, I, it's like the, that movie that you love to watch, but you know that two-thirds of the way through, your favorite character is going to die, and so you're just dreading the moment. Hey, Drew, maybe you're ruining it for some people. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to spoil it for you. Uh, continue to be excited and how well Chauncey is playing now. <laughs> Drew, I don't need any of this. Cha I, we, we didn't talk about that, Adam, but Chauncey Billups played amazing in that first game of round one. Well, what was fun about last night in part was George Carl joined the conversation. George Carl was <laughs> yeah. online. Oh, yeah. So this game alongside with George Carl. And, you know, I put out a thing that he sort of confirmed. He said 100% agree was the Nuggets had to that point four game, four years in a row of going to the first round of the playoffs and getting waxed, not just beat, but waxed 4-0-4-1-4-1-4-1. Chauncey came along, and in that game, game one, a lot of guys were nervous. I think Carmelo Anthony a little bit just overexcited, a lot of his shots, you know, off or whatever, and Kenyon Martin. Those guys had kind of been through it, and I thought Chauncey, who had been to five straight finals at that point in the Eastern Conference with Detroit, had won a championship. It was a total, everybody relax, don't worry, we got this, I got this, I'm going to get you through it, and he did. He had one of the best games of his career, and uh, it, and it set the tone. I, to me, and George Paul confirmed it, to me, that game was all about him saying, guys, I know you guys are nervous, but don't worry about it. We got this. Well, I'm excited to watch game two of that uh, play of round one and then game two of the Stanley Cup Finals. That will be Friday. Uh, Avs at 6 p.m., Nuggets at 8 p.m., Love is Blind tonight at 8 p.m., and Baseball at 5 p.m. So uh, tweet at us with the hashtag DNVRWatches and join us in this conversation. Green Mountain Dental Group is in Lakewood. They're the best family-owned dentist in the metro area, and they're extreme Colorado sports fans, just like all of us. So when they're cleaning your teeth and really getting in there, you'll be able to keep talking uh, Denver sports, which is always fun. Schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam, and you'll receive a free Sonicare toothbrush. Tweet at us when you go there. Remember, free Sonicare toothbrush at Green Mountain Dental Group when you get a cleaning x-ray and exam all right guys it's our favorite time of the week you didn't play a single instrument there rk that was a full band and and i, I was i was the air vocals <laughs> there you go all right so obviously not many people won the week with the way this is all gone, but we're going to try. Let's start with you, Ryan, since you're the first real and only sport going on right now. Why did the Broncos win the week? 
The Broncos won the week because John Elway, and John Elway specifically won the week because he's putting together a very nice free agent haul. He's kind of chipping off the block of all their needs. He got himself a little before free agency, but he got himself a starting cornerback. He got himself a starting defensive lineman. They chipped off the backup quarterback, which is something they need. They, they made sure to keep Justin Simmons around. They've kind of gone through this and had a really nice, efficient haul here in free agency. John Elway's done a great job, so... Uh, he wins the Time. Week. Damn it. Moving on to Rudo, we'll go with you. Why do right. the Avs win the week? All right, so imagine it's May 26, 2001, and you're Alex Tangay, a 21-year-old still with hair, about to play in his first Stanley Cup Finals mm-hmm. ever, and your captain goes out and makes the other team look like absolute punks as you run away with game one five to nothing thanks to him. Joe Sackick wins the week because he basically carried a very young, very talented Avs team to a 1-0 lead in the cup finals. Time. 29 seconds. Wow. Even at home, you guys are on point. All right, Adam, why did the Nuggets win the week? Well, no, you have to imagine it's 2009, and you have to imagine that the Denver Nuggets can't make it out of the first round. They can't even get close despite being really talented. And Chauncey Billups, the hometown hero, comes home, and he carries him on his back. 36 points on 15 shots. That's that's an incredible rate. Eight of nine from the three-point line. He dominated Chris Paul, future Hall of Famer Chris Paul, dominated him and led the Nuggets to a 1-0 lead. All right, you finished 26 seconds. Drew, who won the week? ENVR Gaming won the week. Oh, we are nice. proud to announce the launch and birth of an entire new aspect of what we do here at DMVR. I couldn't be more excited about it. Video gamers now have another home with us here, uh, whether it's sports games or other games. And if you've never been into video games, there's never been a more perfect time to do it than now. You can follow us on Twitter. We've got a Twitch channel. It's going to be super awesome, and everyone is excited about it. No one more than me. Oh, you finished with 28 seconds. Wow, I'm very annoyed I didn't have to use my mute (laughs) button on any of you. We'll see if I get to use it next week. Like we said, our goal is to just keep entertaining you guys as much as we can, and it'll be doing shows like this over live stream, still doing our podcast, doing DNVR watches, and we really appreciate all the support we've gotten. Obviously, big bummer, bar had to close, but when we reopen, it's going to be better than ever. And uh, as always, don't forget to support our sponsors. If you want to go buy a Breck Brew 15 can sampler using the app or to go, please do that. We have, I'm, I'm showing all the sponsors. We got Breck, we got Denver Rubber Company, Green Mountain Dental Group, and of course, Manscaped. So thank you guys all for watching, and we will see you next week.